I'm Carly Shields, and I play Lola, the Harpy Wizard. I'm John, and I play Mort McCoy, the Skeletal Ranger. Hey, everybody. It's Patrick, and I play Ezra the Golem. Hey, I'm Adam Bash. I'm the Storyteller, and welcome to Brew Force. everybody welcome to the show um what we're gonna do now is a question bag we've done a lot of uh show we've been together a while now we've had lots of ups lots of downs um <laughs> more more downs than ups i would say but uh, a handful of ups we just left a place called nanusha and so we thought after we finished that long arc which was preceded by more long arcs where disaster <laughs> always befell us we would do a uh question bag Mailbag, whatever you want to call it. Sack, a sack. Listen, whatever. (laughs) So that's what we're doing now. And uh, we got a lot of reader questions that I guess we are going to answer. Starting now, go. (laughs) Am I reading the questions in order? Uh, No. But one thing that we also do probably want to talk about, and I don't know how much you guys have thought about this so far, is that we also wanted to do a little bit of leveling over the course of this episode at some point, because we have hit a significant, uh, a fairly significant milestone. I mean, it's a, there's different sizes, basically, of milestones in the game. There's major milestones, significant milestones, minor milestones. Um, When you're kind of at the end of an arc, which is what we just did. Um, you get um, all the benefits of a minor milestone, which I will uh, copy paste into the chat for you guys, but then I will just kind of read it um, for everybody that's listening. You get that, and then you also get uh, a couple other things, like you get another skill point, um, and you can rename consequences, which you guys really don't have any right yet. So, so one thing to be thinking about while we're in the process of this uh, thing is to to think about advancement and what you want your characters to do. Uh, so the basics for everybody that is listening along at home, since we've switched to uh, fate is that whenever you have a, a minor milestone, which is really supposed to happen at the end of every session, but that's not going to happen every time we record because like we record um, like three times would be like a regular session, basically every three times we record because like usually people don't get together for an hour to play fate. Um, but when you hit those minor milestones, you get to move your skills around. You can um, change out stunts for other stunts. Um, and you can buy new stunts if you have the refresh to do so, which I don't think anybody but Pat really does right now. Um, or you can rename a character aspect that isn't your high concept. So those are all things that they can do right now, which is just basically like making changes to the structure of their character. It's not like gaining anything new. But now that we've hit this uh, the, at this significant milestone, this point where uh, this this arc has ended... Uh, they additionally get one additional skill point, which can be either be used to buy another skill so that you have a, a plus one in some skill that you don't currently have, or you can uh, bump up any of your other skills. The problem being is that you always have to have something below it on that skill ladder thing. Um, so really, at this first stage, it's your real only choice is what skill would you like to add uh, to your average level of skills, your plus one skills. Okay, I, I want to ask Adam a question because it's one that I'd like, also like to know. So um, this is from on Twitter from Archie in Riverdale. Uh, Adam, are there any 
particular parts of the world that have yet to be explored that you're super excited about that you can actually talk about? Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of parts of the world that haven't been explored that I'm excited for people to get to. Uh, we've only seen two kingdoms at this point. Like we've seen Murkheim and uh, which is in the kingdom of Gravemire and we've seen Dinderast and there's uh, a lot more that we can get to. I'm really excited for you guys to eventually get to Oster. That'll be Ooh. fun um, because there's a whole bunch of like high council wizard shit going on Ooh. there. Um, plus it ties in really tightly with, um, Mort's backstory. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of cool places in this world that I would like for you guys to get to. Um, but if we rush to any of those places, we won't be able to experience what there is to experience at the other places that we, we where we're at now. Right. Matthew says, are there maps of the game world that we can see? Uh, yeah, we've got a map. Um, we had it up at one point. I guess we'll have to find some place to put the map back up. I had a, I had a, I had a pie in the sky idea that what I was gonna do was I was gonna have like a, a wiki map and then like uh, put all these like little pinpoints on the map that people could click on and then it would take them to like an like a wiki article on that like area and location and what we've seen of it from the world. Um, all right, and just kind of is a way man. to. Yeah, no, it's kind of how I do everything is like, oh, hey, let's just put all the work into this thing that like three people will enjoy and look at. Um, and so I started doing that just to kind of get placeholders, but then I never actually liked the way it looked because like the the, the open source software for it was kind of gross. And then the one that was looking looked a little better had like way too many ad placements on it. So I just was never happy with the, the functionality of it. We had a... But we had a, a map live when we had the Brute Force like website. But then we just, after a year, we really weren't using that website very much. Everything's posted on Geeklink anyway, so we just kind of let it lapse. Yep. And so we uh, we haven't had the map up. There's like um, a small... It's in... Uh, the Twitter background for Brute Force, at Brute Force is, for Brute Force podcast is... It's a chunk of it, yeah. I'm actually in talks with uh, Tim Lanning. You may have heard of him, too. Uh make the landing page of Geekly Inc. just our map for like 10 seconds, and then mm -hmm. it reloads the rest of what you're actually looking for. So, look, you know, <laughs> that could... There you go. <laughs> I'm an innovator. What can, yeah, you're what a thinker. Say? All right, John, you want to... This is uh, kind of two questions, very similar. Um... JW Rundle asks, Adam, what was something that you did not expect the players to do that they did? And adding on to that, Raggedy Author says, how much the players' antics and or failure successes have changed the trajectory of the original story you set out to tell? Oh, dang. Good question. Good question. Family Feud style. <laughs> um, okay, so... How often do they do stuff I don't expect them to do? Practically every episode, they do stuff I don't expect them to do. Um, I, I, I don't have a, like I, I used to plan a lot more in advance of an episode, and now I just um, I have like the bullet points, 
And then I just try to move around the bullet points to just keep them in front of the players as much as possible. So like, hey, this thing is this this dude is doing this thing and I want this to happen. And then they go that way. And it's like, OK, well, this guy now lives over here. And it's like just shuffling the pieces around to try to keep the story in front of the players more than anything. Um, how much have they done that has changed the story that I've built uh, or that I was building in the originally? Um, quite a bit. It, it became a lot more about um, like the little man versus like the royalty and regency um, than I had really anticipated. That was not like a central theme of the story going in. Um, it was much more big time heroes, you know, swords and sandals type of, of mentality uh, going into it with kind of the overarching story. Um, but I think the players are much more interested, or at least the characters are much more interested in the little person. And, um, so that's been cool. So then it's been kind of a, a redirection and a refocus on trying to bring it back to the common person and how these big overarching things affect, uh, the individual. So that has been a change, but like the over, like the overarching story, like they've only tangentially touched on a handful of times because it's, I mean, it's the, it's the arc for the whole season of what's going on behind the scenes that they're just still trying to work through to figure out. Um, and it'll be a while before they have any huge influence on that. I um, think in the chat, uh, star pop rod said, how much did Mirk Mirka leaving change this further? Who? Um, <laughs> <laughs> So I think it um I think it I think it's solidified I think it's solidified that uh um that whole like royalty using the 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 little man type thing uh a little bit further like that was a real like raw part of the of the story where like you know Jamtooth dies and then Mirka leaves and it's like it causes just a lot of introspection from the characters. Um, it has, it didn't change a whole lot. I don't think from my perspective, it's like how I approach things. But when we went into, um, when they went back to Murkheim, Amethyst was a hundred percent, the good guy in my mind, he was a hundred percent, the good guy. He was, um, and like Eloy was 100% the bad guy and he was going to be the noble king riding in to reclaim his legacy and all good, all good, all good. And then uh, the level of uh, not like of distrust that he was met with from the players made me think that like, OK, well, yeah, it is kind of flat just to make him like good for the sake of being good and just like a, uh, like a pinnacle of. Uh, of a man so like let's see what what kind of flaws would i see this kind of this type of character having and like what would he you know do to regain his throne and stuff like that and so that's that that kind of led towards the the path of of how all that resolved itself and it, it was mostly born out of kind of how those characters the the player characters reacted uh in the moment to to the characters that are being introduced to them so they changed a lot over that kind of whole arc there Man, I love right. him. Maybe we can find a necromancer to bring him back. Worked for me. It did. With nary a side <laughs> effect at all. Uh, let's do let's do some more questions. Let's put somebody else in, co in charge of asking questions. Since we're 
Pat. We're talking about um, necromancers. The the mm. Mooney Piper wants to know about Mort. So they say, uh, get that Mort is a reanimated skeleton held together by spectral whatever. But does the spectral who's a what's it take the form of what Mort looked like before his death? Uh, like, can we vaguely make out facial features of of Mort or? You just straight up skeleton. Um, you can only really see the spectral who's it what's it's um, in Mort's eyes. They they glow. They might flare a bit brighter or get a bit dimmer depending on you know what's going on. But that's really the only evidence of his spectralness. I think until he sticks out his tongue, of course. Um, yeah, it may be like if you rip off one wait, of his wait, limbs, that, you'll wait, see wait, a wait. bit of a Don't bury the lead, trail. and then what? <laughs> yeah, like he's got a spectral tongue. That was established in like episode one, I think. Mm-hmm. Wow, we did talk I a lot about the spectral tongue. I completely missed that. <laughs> that was a good question. I didn't know either. So now I do know. And the more you know. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a great question. Uh... Also from Raggedy Author, have the brute force pieced together that they've encountered at least two gods and are unraveling some sort of bigger celestial prophecy style pro- plot? No, thing. no. Absolutely the, not. The Zero. players have, the characters have. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, like, Mirka encountered one of the gods. And so, like, she didn't tell anybody yeah. that. Uh, so that's kind of been a non issue. Um, Ezra encountered two gods. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he Ezra's cray cray was kind of as lucid as Ezra gets in describing that. Yeah, he is. He's kind of nuts. So, so it's kind of tough. So, yeah, I, I don't think that there's uh, a lot of connected the dots going on there. Speaking of Ezra being nuts, the crafty DM asks, is there a therapist in your world willing to take on Ezra? I worry about him. <laughs> I feel like he's getting a little better. Like he's coming out. Yeah. He, it, I think I think the last few episodes has kind of helped ground him yeah. a lot. Yeah, this is actually something that we talked about a bunch. Um, just because Ezra was so kind of off the handle. And we were trying to figure out ways that we could rein him back. Does he need to go off on his own and Pat can play a different character for a while? Or, you know, there's a, there's a lot of kind of back and forth about what to do to help him out. And it kind of... You know, we kind of, before the episode that that kind of he lost it. We talked about it a bit before, just kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be neat if you know people were actually put in danger, and what would Ezra do? And then it actually happened, and Pat kind of was like took that and ran with it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there is a, a therapist. I think Ezra would be open to it. Probably, um, he'd probably approach it better than Tony Soprano. So I think it'd, uh, it'd go well if that's something, you know, that's probably something that would happen on a night when Carly and John couldn't manage to make it. And I was going to have to do something on my own with Adam. So I wouldn't expect Ezra to be on the couch anytime soon. Or like it was a, a chaise, a fainting couch. I'm really glad mm. that he's not. I was kind of like bummed when you were talking about, you know, maybe the you playing that vampire character you, pr- you played briefly. <laughs> I was like, oh. I want to go. Yeah, no, it was uh, we we did kind of, and I say we, I mean I kind of 
took them to the point where there wasn't a lot of options left. So we really had to get together as a group and kind of figure out what we were going to do with them. Yeah, I really like that moment. It felt a lot more, I guess, genuine than we usually get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, here's a here's an easy question that uh, I have already I already know the answer to, and so I can easily answer. Uh, Cody asks, "What's the Minotaur bartender's name?" Yeah, what is it? Uh, so the Minotaur bartender. Uh, there's two now. I haven't I haven't come up with a name for the second one because there's an upstairs bar now at the. Uh, at the Gilded Ram. Uh, the one at the downstairs bar, the one that's been there for a while, is a minotaur by the name of Kumda Astazahib, also known as uh, Kumda Skull Trampler. Because he and, skulls? Uh, well, I mean, that's just the loose translation of Astazahib. And the, uh, the name comes from a character. I played a minotaur barbarian in a play-by-post 4E game in the Geekly Inc. forums when they just started wow. out. And it was, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was a long time ago. It was the first game or first interaction I ever had with Steph Kingston uh, was in that game. And so uh, that was a fun character. We didn't play for very long, um, but I always thought it was a cool name for a big Minotaur dude. So it is good. So, yeah, so that's the Minotaur Barbarian, or I guess the Minotaur Bartender, the Gilded Ram. Um. So I want to read a a series of two questions that are kind of related. So uh, Bartholomew in Belgium asks, is everyone attending GeeklyCon this year? I'm really intrigued as to what Pat's Ezra costume would look like. Hell yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, we're going. All all of us will be there this year. I think just Pat missed it last year, but he's he's in. I'll be there this year. I had a uh, brand new baby last year, so uh, didn't make it out. But this year, my baby will not be brand new. She will be old. So we're going to actually have to like, come up years. with good, que- good costumes and stuff. Hey, Ezra, what was your costume? What was your costume going to be? I mean, you saw it in the videos. <laughs> yeah, didn't you wear it in the video? It was a short shorts <laughs> oh, and yeah, a giant hat. Short shorts. Hot shorts, a giant hat, and then like a denim shirt that I'd cut the sleeves off of. That's very good. I really want you to have a poncho. I can wear a poncho. Yes. That is but that is only, the canon picture of Ezra. But only a Pacho. Um, <laughs> and and the, there's a there's a follow up question by uh, Matthew who has asked us a bunch of questions. Um, how much would I have to pay to spend a night hanging out with Patrick Rankin at GeeklyCon? <laughs> I just want to hang in and have some beers. He's a good dude. You don't have enough money. I, I already tell you, <laughs> you can't afford it. <laughs> No, I'll be around. Sorry, sorry, Matthew. There's your answer. You can't <laughs> you'll be, afford it, so you can't hang out with Pat. I'll be around. <laughs> There's another question linked to that um, from where is it? It's gone. Mike from Canada says, "Is there a Patreon <laughs> level we can get to that would generate a spin-off podcast podcast from Pat, where he just tells stories about all the crazy stuff <laughs> that happens in his life?" We got a taste recently in the Adam and Pat outro, and I have a thirst for more. Guys, can I just go on about how good that outro was? <laughs> oh, I was dying. I hadn't heard it until I actually listened to the episode when it came out, and I was like, oh, God, this is gold. 
Listen, not to not to make anybody feel bad. Uh, you want to take a stab at how many takes that was? Let me guess, one. It was one take. <laughs> it was. <laughs> we call him one take Pat here in the business. We call us. We call him one take Pat. I do have a uh, a quick story if you need one. <laughs> I was no. I save mean, it if, because I'm going to do one with you next time. Okay. It's about a it's about a water leak in the front yard okay, of my I'm house. Excited to hear this thing. Well, we just touched on another question that someone had asked. Uh, Steve at Stanford University asks, do the players listen to the episodes they weren't on? Are you, are, are you all hardcore method role players and don't want to mix knowledges? Nah, I listen to them all. <laughs> I listen to none of them. Because yeah, yeah, uh, I, I listen to them. <laughs> unless, unless Carly or John have done something really cool and I remember and then I want to hear it. And then I'll listen to that. And that's happening more and more frequently since we've switched to Fate because we're doing a lot more combat. Yeah. And Carly especially. I was saying something like the other day. Like Carly especially is doing really cool stuff in combat. So I listen back to those. And then the Jasper bits. But I don't listen to the whole podcast. I've got at least one five-hour drive every week. So (laughs) I definitely have... Oh, on yeah. my playlist. You got time to knock them out. I actually sure. didn't listen to this week's one apart from the Jasper bits just because we recorded it like an hour before it was released. So yeah. I kind of didn't need to listen to that. And I don't know how you guys feel, but I hate to hear my own voice. Like, I don't like to. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't oh, like no, I hate Hey, it. hey, polar opposite. Yeah. I love listening yeah, to voice. Really? No really? Yeah, really? yeah. If yeah. you didn't know I that, never... I love listening. So, yeah, uh, what, do do I listen to the show? But, like, when I edit it, I'll listen to it. I don't edit it very much. Uh, so, I don't usually listen to that anymore. Um, I will listen to the Jasper bits. Every time, even though I've already listened to it and recorded it and uh, edited it and put that back in, then I will listen to that. Um, Adam actually, and then I'll listen to like right before every single podcast and dubs over us. Uh, just listens to that version. <laughs> yeah, I do. If you wonder why we sound my version, so it's. <laughs> um, but like, I'll listen to the actual episode. Usually, like chunks of it right before we start to play again. Like if we are like we have a game scheduled on a Friday, like Wednesday and Thursday, I've split up the podcast and have listened to like the bulk of it just so I can get back into like where we were. That's the tricky thing is that we record so infrequently. Yeah. And so it's so hard to get like you get you get out of the like you get out of it and then like you once you get back into it, it's, you're almost done, right? So. Um, keeping that flow of uh, telling a story like through a game, it's it's hard when you know we record maybe every other week, yeah. I guess. Basically, and that that actually does really well. Um, and answers raggedy authors. He had a question: What's the most challenging thing about playing remotely? And I think that's it. It's um, yeah. there's been a, there's been a few times where we've recorded two or three episodes in a week. And I feel like those are always our strongest, but with all our time zones being so bonkers as well, I think Adam and I, Adam and I are on Central Time, Carly's on East, John's GMT. Who, who so, the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, lucky for us, he's a complete psychopath who just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why you sometimes get episodes where it's not all of us in it, because we just can't schedule a time to get together. So we'll do like the office yeah. episodes where like... Which, you know... 
Mort gets dragged away by a jazz or um, or various things like that. Which at least we have the the narrative ability to to do. You yeah. know, that's the nice thing is like because it's being told, it's a story that's being retold. Like it doesn't have to be chronological or sequential. And yeah. like a moment could be like on the precipice of happening, and then we could just go completely away from it and do something else, and then come back when we're all there. Jennifer in Jacksonville says, how much of Jasper's intro and outro are scripted versus improvised? Um, well, the first one was scripted. Um, since then, I have not really... I, I, I did script a little bit one time um, just because I, I didn't have a lot of time. And sometimes it's easier to write it down than just to jump into it and start recording. But usually what I'll do is I'll just sit down and start talking into the microphone and see what happens. <laughs> and if something funny happens, I'll keep doing that. And if something funny doesn't happen, then I'll delete it and do something different and just take it a different direction. And uh, I, you know, I, it has taken over some of my podcast listening time in the car. Like when I'm driving to work, I'll be like uh, just trying to think of a funny thing and just like working on like little Jasper bits. Um, and then if something sticks, then I'll try to remember it. And if it doesn't, then I'll move past it. But um, but yeah, very, very little of that is scripted. As I think it's pretty obvious that's not a script I'm following God, there. <laughs> I love the mental image of you sitting in a car doing this. To piggyback off of that, do you do you come up with like a bullet point framework? Yeah, you have to do the voice. Because you don't know how it's going to sound if you don't do the voice. Like you have to do the voice. Uh, no, I mean I don't come up with bullet points. Like if I come if I come up with things that I think are funny, uh, then I might like write down a couple of like bullet points of things I want to hit on in there. But generally, it's just I'll have a concept, an overarching mm -hmm. concept of the thing that I want to have happen, and I'll just just start talking. You know, it's no different than what you guys do when you're RPing as your characters. You know. I or when I had my, my short favorite Apple podcast, Anthony Appleton. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was after that um, Paul F. Tompkins thing, wasn't it? Decided to make that. Yeah, I heard Apple that. I'm like, man, that's a really good idea for a podcast. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was just going to say, I think my favorite Jasper arc was when he was getting like the the love letters from Furhat Greg's wife or whatever it was. <laughs> well, Stalking for her Greg's wife, or, <laughs> or whatever was happening there. I think that was. Uh, I was. I was very invested in that story. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. The love letters weren't from Furhat Greg's wife. They were from, uh, like the guy that run. It was Sully, the guy that runs right. the restaurant that was doing the like that was doing the. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kept sending him love letters, convincing him to come down and try to eat eat dinner for two, like meet this person for dinner. <laughs> And he kept ordering dinners for two, uh, and it was just a way that the guy was getting him to keep coming down and spending money at the at the restaurant every <laughs> week. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, yeah, no, there hasn't been a lot of that in the last handful of episodes. Like, there's not been so much. I feel like so much has happened in the story uh, that it detracts. Like, when there are these two kind of separate things going on. Uh, I think like when the story's really strong, I don't feel compelled to like come up with a bunch of goofy shit going on in the modern Merkheim. Um, so lately it's really been kind of lax. It's been more of a, Hey, here's the recap. Here's where we're at and let's get into the story. Um, 
And plus, it's been a little easier to figure out kind of Jasper's role in the retelling once Jasper got into the story. And so now that he is in the story, like he wants to talk a lot about kind of his role and how these things were going, like what was happening here um, when he's not at all a central character and does very, very little uh, in the actual story. So it's kind of interesting, I think, to hear him kind of talk about the stuff that was happening from his perspective a little bit. Um, and so I focus more on that stuff than making it uh, kind of more goofy shit happening in modern Murkheim. Um, because I don't know, it's tough. I know I, I, I appreciate the goofiness of it. And I know that like some people do, but I also feel like there's, there is a fine line there where you don't want to uh, overstep into um, making it just like too much of this side stuff that really doesn't, have any bearing on the central story that we're trying to work on as a group, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Molly asks, I probably should be embarrassed by this, but I've been listening and a patron and has been a patron since the beginning. And I still have no idea where potato originated. Please enlighten. Sounds like something I did. <laughs> so it was actually something I did. Um, I was sent in a oh. message in a Slack um, about patrons, and my phone auto-cracked it to potatoes. Oh, yes! That's um, right. And then that I think Adam right. sent out a, a poll on Twitter saying, what, what should we call you, like, Brutis or Potatoes, or I don't know what the options were, and everyone voted for Potatoes. Right. And that is where it came from. Well, so here's the thing. I kind of gamed the system a little bit, and it's a little behind, this little inside baseball right here. Um but I loved potatoes. I was, I was like, I thought that was the greatest, the greatest thing in the world. Like, I thought it was so funny. Um, and I'm like, but how are you going to get a collective group of people to consider themselves potatoes? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, so I figured they needed a common enemy. So I put up a poll and I said, you know, John really wants you guys to be called potatoes. Uh, here are the other options too. <laughs> and like, and then I kept like lamenting when potatoes were winning. I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to end up being potatoes, isn't it? You know, really like, oh boy, toe in the <laughs> dirt. Um, but no, I was thrilled that, that the the winner was, was potatoes. Was that like when it's you so were playing the bad guy <laughs> about us doing a, a spin off couple of shows about the good guy squad? And you asked for retweets. Guys, I want to do the Good Guy Squad so badly. <laughs> Listen, Good Guy Squad would be great, but if we're all here, like, why would we not do the show we're already because doing? Why would we do a second show? Good Guy Squad would be fun. Okay, Good Guy Squad would be fun. <laughs> yes. Maybe there will be a point between arcs where we can do, where we can do Good Guy oh, Squad. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. please. Um, <laughs> thought Maturgy, which is a great name. I'm it sounds like something Keegan would do. But Thought Maturgy wants to know how we all know each other. What's the story? And I'm assuming he means people and not our players. Because at first I was like, mm. how do our characters know each other? And it's like, bro, you <laughs> listen to the show? You might want to listen. Yeah, listen to the show. I think he means us as humans. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I all because of Geekly Inc., I'm assuming. Well, Pat, because of Bajaya. Mm -hmm. I, was, I think is how that worked. Well, I actually knew one of Bajai's good friends from law school. She runs with this group of people, the George brothers that I know. Um, and Flip is John shaking his head. Flip is what? the eldest, is the eldest George brother, and uh, Flip is also into some you know nerdy stuff too. And he's like, "Hey, I have a friend that 
uh, is also into nerdy stuff. And uh, yeah, he introduced me to Bajaya, who introduced me to the rest of the <clears throat> Geekly Inc. fam. And, and I think the first time we all met was at the Louisville, where we did the uh, LARP in the hotel room, where I'm pretty sure Hiroshi Yeah, yeah no, that was the craziest shit. The first time I ever met Pat... <laughs> was in a was in a was in a, a LARP that we were playing that Carly was running. It was and all of us were in that, like uh, including yeah, the yeah. Uh That was uh, surreal to think back on. But I've been yeah. thinking the next GeeklyCon I should run that again. That was uh, so yes, please. Much fun. True story. Yes, we please. were all given animal nicknames, and true to form, I didn't read closely enough and thought we were in a red wall situation. Um, <laughs> so I was like. Made my personality and physicality that of an otter, so I was doing a lot of like batting around, like balls and like you were cracking so stuff hyper. on my. I was like, this guy's got a lot of energy. Because <laughs> well, I figured that's what an otter would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't till later that I realized we were not infected. Because <laughs> everyone else was like, "This is a horse," and he wasn't doing horse stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> like I knew, I knew John from kind of like a long time through the uh, through Drunks and Dragons. Like I don't even remember when John and I started hanging out on stuff. It's been a while, a long time. And then Carly, I think the first time, like I like really met Carly, we were uh, like it was when I was doing stuff for Sayer, and you helped me like make yeah. all those tower logos and shit like you just cropped up out of nowhere and was like hey do you want me to help you with this i'm like fuck yeah that would be great (laughs) the first time i started hanging out with cardi was the first charity stream yeah she played in uh one of the games so you guys all had prior contact to that louisville geekly Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're an outsider, Pat. No kidding. Adam was no the kidding. Yeah, but Carly had like <laughs> Carly had kind of like burst onto the scene. I think like right before that, really. Yeah, I was. It was right before that. I I was in a bad job, bad relationship, and everything. And I started listening to podcasts, and and it was. I probably was listening to Drunks and Dragons about two weeks when they started mentioning GeeklyCon Lovell, and I was like, I'm just gonna go. And I was going to go by myself, but a friend came with me. And just from there, I kind of got involved with the community. And Adam was the first person I met in person because you were at the hotel desk when I arrived. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, right after I read that LARP, Adam just accosted me for the rest of yeah, the... Yeah, he got LARP Oh, he got LARP so bad. <laughs> I'm like, okay, guess what? We're going to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. <laughs> And that one was really good. That was fun. That was fun, too. Okay. Next question. Another question. So, Commoner Nick asks, and I guess we've kind of already asked this. He says, why am I so emotionally invested in the mundane daily events of a mildly annoying bard who doesn't even sing? Listen, Jasper does sing. He just, uh, he he doesn't sing on this. He's just not doing it on the show. Listen, it's hard enough to, Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's because he's the he's the loser, you know, the lovable loser to a certain extent. Like he is annoying, but he never nothing ever goes his way, and like he doesn't win ever. So he always like he always suffers uh, justly and unjustly, uh, and so it's uh, it's easy to uh, kind of get hooked on a character like that. I think I like characters like that. 
<laughs> when you've already got one real singer. It's true. They do. That song's so good. Oh, God. <laughs> that guy died. When that I first one it. that just came out of nowhere when you were going to the forest was, or whatever yeah. it was. That was really, in, um, really fun. Is that the one about dreams? Yeah. The, the dream yeah. song was my oh, yeah. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. For the forest song. Dreams are bad. Yeah. <laughs> dreams always lead to disaster. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boo, dreams. So, a couple of linked questions, I guess, from J.W. Rundle. Um, firstly, what was your favourite encounter of the show? And secondly, what was the craziest twist that got thrown at you? Uh, the, definitely the twist for me was Zagarian still being alive. Yeah, Cause same. that's such a central part of my character. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah, that definitely a craziest uh, twist, for, probably for all of yeah. us, I'd imagine. Jamtooth had been groomed for, like, 12 episodes to become my best friend and favorite character, uh, only to be yeah. mm. uh, murdered right after, yeah, that <laughs> really one. Really cut uh, down. Jamtooth was my favorite encounter, too. He was, anytime I got to hang out with Jamtooth, was the best. <laughs> he was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Mirka turning on us, too, was kind of, like... What? Yeah, but that's the thing about that. All of you knew that Merck was leaving the show, and Except I didn't John. have a clue. That's why when she was leaving, I was like, well, shouldn't we be going with her? And they were all like, nah, nah, let's just go. So I'm like, wait, but no, Merck is going. What's going on? And then I was told after the show that uh, Pajara was leaving. I was like, oh. And you, well, I mean, you- I, told, I told Carly, uh, because Carly is... is no offense, kind of my sounding board for like overarching things. If I'm like, okay, uh, am I? Does this make sense to do it this way, or does it make sense to do it this way? Like, I'll, I'll go to Carly kind of first with those type of things, um, and then I guess Bajaya had told Pat, uh, but not told me that she had told Pat. If she had told me that she had told Pat, I would have told you, John. I would let you know. And no, no, I think that that actually worked out well. Like. Mort's yeah, no, it surprise was absolutely genuine. <laughs> and listen, I don't want to be cold, and I don't want to be heartless, but listen, Jamtooth was one character voice too should've, many. Should have I mean, killed had, Moon Kevin. At that time, Moon Kevin, Moon Kevin Jamtooth, Yanov. And, well, I mean, killing Jamtooth also got rid of Moon Kevin, because they're both gone now. And it and then it allowed me the ability to bring in, in Jasper. Because if I was going to have to get Jasper in the story with Jamtooth and Moon Kevin and <laughs> Yanov, it's too much for me. Yeah. It's, it's too many weird the thing voices. That a lot of like real play podcast stuff, you make these NPCs that are around for a couple of episodes or whatever, but we just keep all of our NPCs <laughs> around forever. <laughs> you just start collecting them. Uh, comics Courtney asked, will we ever see Moon Kevin again? Uh... Yeah, yeah, probably. I can't imagine not. I mean, I have a tendency to bring things back in almost everything I do. So, um, yeah, probably. Just like that pigeon said in an American Isn't tale, it? never say never. Just just, just like that. <laughs> just exactly like that pigeon we all know. Um, jumping, jumping back a little bit um, to my favorite encounter, it was probably, was it episode six where there was like the... Shoeless hobo and blind falconer. Oh yeah, that was good. I loved that so much. And as you guys then arrived, the the card game where you just jump in the water and try and get cards. (laughs) 
Burgundy Strum Docks. Yeah, I remember we got done recording that episode and we just like felt like we had like that was it. Yeah, it was like every we'll episode needs to just be this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the pinnacle. And and you know, and some you know, we did. So <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yep. <laughs> oh. A lot of people are asking what inspired our characters. Um I mean more such character, I just kind of wanted to play someone that was like a sort of a classic sort of wannabe hero sort of thing. Like, because normally, like when I I role play, I play you know a neutral character or you know somebody who's like a, a bit on the bad side or whatever. But I wanted to play someone that was actually wanted to be good. I think that was what inspired more really. Um, Lola was, I, I played a harpy in another game that was extremely short-lived. It was only one or two games, and I really liked playing a little bit chaotic, um, cowardly, I guess. Because I, I usually take characters that are, like, on front lines and want to protect people and are good in that regard. But I kind of wanted to take someone who was a little bit more, like, you do it. <laughs> and, and you know, still retain some naivete. Yeah, I just wanted to make a, a henchman uh, when Adam pitched the <laughs> idea that we were in the company of, like, a real hero. Um, I thought maybe we'd be more involved with the hero than turned out we were. Uh, but I, I immediately thought of Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> and so... Which is also kind of the inspiration for the voice. I tried to do something like a little bit of Patrick Warburton meets too many cigarettes, and it ended up sounding like Beetlejuice or the or Macho Man Randy Savage, apparently. But uh, I was thinking, how how cool would it be if Kronk were here? Um, <laughs> which is you know, big, dumb, lovable idiot. Yeah, I absolutely thought we were going to be more involved with, like, uh, Clash Tiger. Like, Mort's, like, main thing was that he was going to be, like, doting on Clash Tiger the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, following him around, really looking up to him. And then he gets, like, killed off in the first episode. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was expecting, like, to have a pretty tight mentorship with Agarian. (laughs) In the same regard, yeah. Oops. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Uh, so, well, Jasper, I can tell you guys where Jasper came from, and it's, um, there was a one episode pilot of a show called Saddle Rash, uh, which was a Cartoon Network, uh, Adult Swim show, um, by Lauren Bouchard, who was the guy that did, uh, Home Movies and Bob's Burgers. Uh, and it was, I mean, let me just pitch you on the concept of this. It is a legless I mean, not a legless, an armless, nameless gunslinger in the Wild West. Um, he has no arms, and he's a gunslinger. Anyway, um, the story was all told from the perspective of Gummy, who was an old prospector type uh, character that was like that acted as the narrator. Um, and it was a lot of fourth wall breaking with that, like. He would he would talk about parts of the story and then he would like say that that was kind of a part of the story that really didn't go anywhere. And he would like call that out and say that, you know, 
you know, it's just what you get around this 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 type of place. Like, you know, sure, the big cities, I'm sure you get, you know, all types of great storytellers. But around here, you know, you, you just get what you got. You only got me, you know. And uh, so he's very defensive of his storytelling uh, and his job as a narrator. Uh, and I thought that level of fourth wall breaking for a narrator was just really funny and interesting. Um, and so I 100% stole it mm-hmm. um, for the character. And then when I was working on the voice for him, it started out kind of very similar to that character. And I think that you could find that saddle rash, uh, pilot out on YouTube. Um, it started very similar to that character. And then it eventually kind of melded that and, uh, Deckard Kane from the Diablo series. Of <laughs> Stay a while. Stay a while. Edition. You have quite a treasure there in that heraldric cube. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so yeah, those kind of melded together and then, there you go. Ended up with uh, with Jasper. So, speaking of how we all thought we were going to be around Clash Tiger and Agarian for quite a while, White Morph says, given all they've been through, what is the most surprising way each of your characters has grown that you didn't expect? <clears throat> Ezra's morphed a little bit, I would say, into a leader. Um... When he was really made to do anything except that. Um, right. I mean, he gets the team sidetracked a lot, but then a lot of times when there's a decision to be made, he ends up making a decision. And I don't think it's a conscious effort. On the, I mean, it, it's not a conscious effort on Ezra's part. He's uh, he's like a mentat from Dune, only not smart in that he's not weighing all the pros and cons and looking at the logic of everything. He's just like, this is the decision we're making. Let's do it. Um, and like having any sort of definitive decision making is something I didn't really expect when I first made uh, the character. Yeah. And I know at one point you were talking about Ezra really wanting that to be the, the hero and holding the relic. Right. Right, right. And I, I mean, if we still get that chance, I'd still love for him to do that. <laughs> I want to be part of his posse. Heck yeah. Changes. I'm trying to think if Wola's changed that much from the beginning. She's more confident. I yeah. think she has. Yeah, she's certainly gotten more confident and gotten, like, and to the point where, like, almost antagonistic towards NPCs at times that, like, caught me off guard. <laughs> um I, yeah, I think that, like, she is kind of started to get over this shit. Yeah. Like, just, like, I am done with this bullshit kind of a mentality. Yeah. Um, so maybe she's grown out of her three-year-old and into her her tweens, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when she first heard Agarian was alive, Lola was ecstatic, and she was really excited. And I think it's slowly sinking in, like wait, this guy kind of fucked us over. <laughs> like, yeah, he was a huge part of my life, but dude, that is entirely uncool. So now that she knows he's alive because he's responded to her, yeah, that'll be interesting when they finally meet. If they finally meet, um, who knows? So who knows? I guess Mort's main change is he's trying to be more heroic than he has been. Um, like he's come to realize that you know everything I've been doing hasn't necessarily been that good, and he's trying to 
sort of steer everyone else to becoming good. Um, I don't think, generally, I don't think his characters change that much, but I think, depending on what happens in this, like, the next few episodes and stuff, I think there could be quite a big change coming mm-hmm. from what. Ooh. Um, I mean, it depends how things work out, I guess. Because, like I said, you know, he he idolized Clash Tiger, and now he's found out, you know, Clash Tiger's alive and stuff, and might be doing bad shit. You know, so that that may change. Lots. I was wondering if you were gonna double down on the hero thing, like push for it even harder, or you're gonna go the opposite way. So. Who knows? I yeah. guess it depends on. Y'all Clash remember Tiger. the double down sandwich from KFC that was. Oh, and God, s- the two chicken mm. breasts. <laughs> chicken buns. When I worked at Churchill Downs, we had a representative from KFC come, and he was giving some big presentation. He asked the room who liked the double downs. Everyone was like, gross. And of course the answer is gross. But, you know, I gave the guy what he wanted. I was like, oh, hell yeah, brother. I love a double down. Dude gave me like $40 <laughs> worth of KFC gift certificates. So, you know. <laughs> If someone asks you if you like double downs, you tell them, yeah. You say, hell yeah, I love double downs. <laughs> if someone asks you yeah. if you're a god. Speaking of food, uh, Comics Courtney wants to know what are our favorite pies. And to that I say anything fruit-based. A cherry. Banana cream. Uh, fruit yeah. pies. Fruit pies, I say cherry yeah. pie. Now, savory cream. pie. It's Savory pie is steak and ale. Yeah, see, so you don't need, when you live in the South, you don't need a banana cream pie because you can have banana pudding, which is superior to a banana cream pie. Don't, yeah, well, I'm from the North and banana cream pie. You should make yourself a banana pudding. Um, so listen, I'm not a huge pie fan. Um, here are the pies I enjoy. I like cherry. If I'm going to have a fruit pie, there's only, there's only three pies I like, so we're okay. Cherry, if it's a if it's a fruit pie, it's gotta be cherry. Pumpkin pie is is perfect. There's nothing nothing to improve upon pumpkin pie. And I'll take a chocolate silk. Take a chocolate silk six days till Sunday. Uh, I got that's a hot it. pie. Those take. Pies I want. Pumpkin pie can go fuck itself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pumpkin you know what's the superior Yeah, well the superior Thanksgiving pie is pecan pie. Everyone knows this. I was this. just going to say that. Everyone knows this. Secondly, here's a good Aww. here's a good little tidbit for John, which I'm sure he'll enjoy. And this is the honest to God's truth. We can call her up right now. Uh, a fraternity brother whose girlfriend, <laughs> now wife, we used to call banana pudding. <laughs> like, <laughs> to her face. That was her nickname. Because there was a lot of Allisons. There's a lot of Allisons our age. And uh, she was one of several Allisons. But one time she made us all banana pudding. And I was like, pfft. Someone was like, oh, are you talking about UNC, Allison? I'm like, no, we're talking about banana pudding, Allison. So we just started calling her banana pudding. <laughs> there are worse nicknames. No, that's not the worst in the world you're in. So Matthew asks, what is the psychic and or magical connection between Rufus and Mort McCoy, the Skeletal Ranger? There, there is none. Rufus is just a good dog. <laughs> He's just well trained. He's just a, a loyal good He was dog. a good dog. Listen, I think I think he's I think Rufus is playing the long game here. Uh, he, um, he got a nibble on that femur one time, and he's like, "This is this is a tasty bone." <laughs> Maybe some if I just wait this out, like leaked into yeah. him when he nibbled on me. Mm, I guess it's possible. I did like Tim Lanham had a theory that um, Rufus was actually the necromancer that was controlling Mort, mm. but you know, Rufus is only like five years old, and Mort's like. 
200-ish, so... Mm, but it's five in human years, so he's 35 in dog years. That's closer. That's how mm-hmm. years work. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Pat, mm. Comics Courtney asks, how tall are Lola and Ezra? Um, I have no idea how tall Lola is, but Ezra is tall enough to generally be the tallest person in any given area, but not so tall that he's like a freak show. You know what I mean? Lola is four foot nothing. Like in real life, if you see a guy that's like six three to six five, you're like, you're like, you're like that's tall. a tall dude. But if you see a dude that's six eight, like my buddy Tall Ben, you're like, that dude's a fucking freak. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you? Six, five. Five. I'm right there, one more inch, and I, yeah. I go into the. He's tall boy. Yeah. I'm, I'm one inch away from five. being like. What's wrong with this dude? Yeah, you gotta yeah. shave down your heels. I'm one inch man. away. I'm. St- I mean, I'm still generally the tallest person you'll see in a day, but it's like my body's still proportional to the way it should be. Um, like Nick Bristow's the same way. Nick Bristow's like my height. Oh yeah, Nick's very. Yeah, I think tall. he's my height, and when you see him, you're like, oh, that's a tall guy. But if you added like two or three inches yeah. to Nick Bristow, you'd be like, whoa, what is this freak show doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. hey, here's one. So Allie asks, if each player got to ask one question of the GM about the podcast, be it plot, NPC, or character-related, what would the Can we do the good be? guy squad? <laughs> My question is also, uh, can we do the maybe. good guy squad? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question, too. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck it. Let's do good guy squad next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in between arcs. We'll do good a good guy, guy squad. squad. <laughs> do, do people, does everyone know what the good guy squad is? Uh, people probably don't know about the good guy squad. What it was was who went to the bathroom? Somebody I think went to the bathroom. Carly or John went to the bathroom, and it was John. And then Carly and I just started. No, I was there. Or maybe Adam. I don't think I anyone went to the bathroom. Been, I remember this. Must have been oh, no, it was definitely me. Yeah. You went to go to do something, and I went to go get some water. John and I just started riffing about yeah. the good guy squad. And it's just a squad of guys that like to do good. And we're just really like good. Like super mundane good stuff. Like helping old ladies yeah. with their groceries to the car. Yeah. Like showing someone how to buy stamps from one of the automatic stamp machines. <laughs> you got to put your quarters in this way. You're doing it wrong. Come here. And not in like a really like condescending mansplaining way. Just like in a genuinely helpful like, listen, man, if you want to if you want to sharpen your axe, you got to go. You know what I mean? That type of stuff. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then that means you guys have to come up with your good guy squad characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sometime. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, building a fake character is real easy, and I, I think it'll be pretty rules light. The good guy squad episode. Good. Um, uh, finally, I've got two more quick ones. Firstly, Matthew says, "Have you seen this great photo of film television Sam Neill and a cool pic?" I, have, I, I literally I have cannot not. see I have that. Now. I have. And it's great. Now. No, I can't I see can't it. See I it. saw that. I did see it. I can't see oh. it in the thing. Well, it's on Twitter if you search yeah. for hashtag Britback. But then I have to go Not Spudsack. Um, and finally, does your Britback ever get stuck to your leg? <laughs> I don't know what yeah, that means. Sometimes. <laughs> That's a weird question. Uh, here's a question I do want to answer, though. What percentage of the game world's population is human? Um, we encounter a lot of human NPCs, uh, which is mainly because I forget to describe other things except for NPCs. Yeah. And but characters that stick around. Yeah. But characters that stick around tend to not be humans, like Tinglefoot's a gnome and Yanov is a Norf. And uh like Jasper we've not really ever 
defined. I've always kind of had him as a half elf in my head, uh, but we've really never really dove into it. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of different weird things going on in the in uh, the world of Eorith, and uh, every sentient race is basically able to breed with every other sentient race. So you get all types of mixtures and uh, it's a big melting pot uh, filled with people. Um, anyway. Uh, Norths. In Norths. And yeah, so what percentage are humans? I don't know. Like probably the majority, probably maybe 55% humans, but then a fair amount of every other weird, goofy combination of things that you can imagine hey guys you just listened to a mailbag episode thanks for writing in all your questions there were some great ones there were a lot of really bad ones which we ignored you should feel bad (laughs) about yourself i don't know if your home life was broken or or what but you know ask better questions next time for the for those of you that did great questions congratulations you've succeeded at being we do love you but you should should feel bad about yourself Uh, sure why not um, but while we got you here, and if you're not so insulted that you've unplugged your phone from its charger and thrown it out your car window as you're going down the highway, causing a 16-car pileup that we'll read that. about on the news, why don't you head over to uh, iTunes and leave us some uh, ratings and reviews? I mean, preferably five-star. Five-star If I've insulted your honor, I understand. You could leave less stars. I would advise against that. Uh, five-star is good. What do you think about stars, Carly? Uh, I think they're great, but also if you leave us a five-star review and just let us know, I'll just kick Pat off the podcast. Yeah, they could do that. There are worse things than death is a (laughs) thing that I've heard from somewhere. What, Dumbledore said that? Uh, (laughs) And if Pat hasn't insulted you too bad, uh, come to GeeklyCon in July 19th to the 22nd, I believe, in Columbus, Ohio. You can get tickets at uh, geeklycon.com. You can tell me you hate me in person. But don't tell, you, tell, him, tell him you love him and tell him he doesn't look like an Osterati. Yeah, man, at least like call me Kevin McHale or Detlef Schrumpf. Any 70s through 90s white basketball, Jeff Hornacek. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.